Welcome to Ecclesia Principles, a biblical strategy for believers to engage in God's design for government with Ray Eppard. Hello, glad you could join us again today. The, today is going to be kind of part two of uh, yesterday's uh, message and our topic. This week we're looking at stumbling blocks to engagement, engagement in governing, engagement in policy. What keeps people from doing that? And last, last yesterday, last time, we looked at Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, and we were talking about the concept of church and state. And with this, let's go ahead and read Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Again, Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. We are the body. The shoulders are in the body. If you would, the government is on his shoulders. The governing is a stewardship responsibility of the body of Christ. It's on his shoulders. It's not on the head. It's on the shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, verse 7. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He says here that the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, unfortunately... We tend to relegate all of this uh, to a subject of eschatology, study of the end times. That really, you know, the Lord and the kingdoms, all, all of that's end times, it's not now. No, the government's on his shoulder. And his government, his influence over things is to increase continually of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And again, it starts off, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. If you would, from the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, his influence over his kingdom, because everything is his, even the sinner belongs to God. It's just there will be a point in judgment, and many of them will be cast out from his kingdom if they never submit to his reign. Now, with this, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Now, again, what a lot of people use is the idea of separation of church and state. The separation of church and state should be defined by the First Amendment. When, when uh, Thomas Jefferson was writing to the Danbury Baptist and used the phrase, there is a wall of separation between church and state. He was referencing the First Amendment. There are those who will say there is no such thing as separation of church and state. Thomas Jefferson didn't know what he was talking about. Well, if you do your research, you'll find that Thomas Jefferson uh, greatly influenced the religious liberties 
in the state of Virginia, what was drawn up for the religious liberty in Virginia, and it influenced the First Amendment. Jefferson wasn't opposed to freedom of religion. He actually worked to make sure there was freedom of religion. And with that, even though he was not a part of the development directly, he wasn't, I think he was in France during the development of the uh, Bill of Rights, his thoughts were there. His ideas were in the discussion. Congress shall make no law in the establishment of religion or in prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That is the wall. It can't establish it, and it cannot prohibit it. Where we finished yesterday was saying that wall of separation has been penetrated. Our government has breached the wall of separation. On which side? Well, in all honesty, both sides. First, they have restricted the free exercise thereof. Particularly, courts have legislated from the bench and prohibited the free exercise of religion. And on the flip side, in their, quote, desire to make sure they do not establish a religion, they're actually establishing a belief system, a religious belief system that is agnostic or atheistic. Both of those are beliefs about God. Both of those are, if you would, a religious standpoint. Government should stay out of all of that and not endorse any. Right now, they're endorsing agnosticism. They're endorsing atheism by restricting faith. They're actually endorsing a belief system. And on the flip side, if you do believe in a God, then you have to limit where you express that. No, they shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Talking about uh, kids praying at graduation. They have no authority to prohibit the free exercise thereof. The First Amendment is that separation of church and state. They should not establish, nor should they prohibit. That's the wall of separation there. Now, you see, what we really should say is, is that there is no separation of church, uh, excuse me, of faith and government. There should be no separate, there was never an intention of separating state government from faith. This is why the founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence said, we have been created, all men are created equally and are endowed 
by their creator with certain unalienable rights. In other words, an unalienable right is a right given by God, not the government. That's why it's unalienable. Governments, if they give you a right, then they can take that right away. They have that authority. What they were saying in the Declaration of Independence is that the state does not give these unalienable rights. These rights are given by our Creator. Therefore, the state can only acknowledge those rights or violate those rights. And what they were saying in the Declaration of Independence was that the government, King George of England, had violated the unalienable rights that God had given to them. And therefore, they were just in separating from that government because it was violating their unalienable rights, the rights that were given to them by God that the government had no authority in giving or no authority to take away. You see, there is, the, the founding fathers did not believe in a separation of faith and government. They didn't believe in the separation of faith and government. What you have today under the guise of separation of church and state is really a separation of faith and state. And that was never intended by our founders. That was never intended by any of the things that were a part of the, of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution of the United States. Faith was not to be excluded. Matter of fact, if you read their writings, they said that the success of America was dependent upon a religious and moral people. They said that it was founded on the principles of Jesus Christ. Faith and state was never designed to be a reality. And that's really what people are pushing today, but using inappropriately Thomas Jefferson's statement of a wall of separation between church and state. The wall of separation between church and state should be there. On the establishment, we do not need another Holy Roman Empire. We do not need a nation that is governed by a particular denomination, a particular branch of faith, even if that branch is Christian. The church, the, the organizational structure of the church does not need to be ruling the nation. We do not need that. However, we do need people of faith engaged in ruling. And at that point, people from all aspects of faith to be engaged in ruling because the government is supposed to be on his shoulders. We are supposed to be there bearing the load. We're supposed to be there leading. We're supposed to be there having an influence. But separation of church and state, church organization, denomination, specific belief system, specific organization, that needs to stay intact. 
no establishment of religion. No, you've got to be a Baptist. You've got to be Episcopalian. You, you, you've got to, to be Catholic, whatever. None of that. None of that needs to be in place anywhere. But on the flip side, nor should Congress, nor Congress shall pass no law prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That needs to be there. That has to do with separation of church and state. But we need to understand that there is no separation of faith and state. If I get involved, it is perfectly appropriate for me to bring my faith into the governmental arena. It is perfectly fine for you to bring your faith into the public arena. It's fine for others that don't believe like us to bring their faith into the public arena. Because the bottom line is if we are not allowed to do that, then government is exercising control over our conscience. And if they're exercising control over our conscience, then we're nothing but wards of the state. And that's what they're trying to make us right now. In all honesty, most of what's happening from the institutions of the federal government, they're trying to make us wards of the state. You can only think what the state tells you to think. You can only speak what the state tells you to speak. The biggest defender of liberty is religious freedom. When you have freedom of religion, that is the biggest deterrent to dictatorship and totalitarianism, that it is the biggest resistance to it. We have to get engaged. We have to get engaged. We have to bring our faith into the arena. God bless you. See you tomorrow.